Have you ever experienced the lingering effects of a toxic relationship with your mother? Have you ever wondered about the long-lasting impact of a toxic maternal relationship on your emotional well-being and how it has shaped your perception of yourself? Are you curious to learn how a difficult or even toxic maternal relationship can affect one's ability to form healthy connections with others? Join me after the intro for a conversation with a very special friend with whom we will answer these and many more questions. Stay tuned. Do you feel stuck in your life? Do you feel unhappy but not completely sure what that is? Do you hold a grudge towards someone for something they did which affects you and the way you live your life? Have you ever told someone, I forgive you, but in reality you were not completely over what happened? Why is it so difficult to truly forgive? How do we forgive? And can anything and anyone be forgiven? Hi, my name is Rosanna D and I'm the host of the Forgiven Tribe Show. This is a safe and not judgmental place for sharing opinions and challenging experiences where the practice of forgiveness helped individuals to get unstuck and create a much more fulfilling life than they had before. Join me in this exciting journey to unveil how you too can have the life you deserve. Simply click the subscribe button below to receive notification about future episodes. Welcome to the Forgiven Trade Show. Mothers, we love them and we hate them. The relationship we have with our mothers is never easy, and yet it weaves the intricate threads that shape our very beings and influence the course of our lives. The mother-child bond, with all its complexities, can be both a source of immense joy and a terrain fraught with challenges. It's a realm where love and regret intertwine, where frustration battles with admiration, and where feelings of support, suffocation, or neglect can reside, often turning the most natural relationship of all into a difficult or perhaps even toxic relationship. As we navigate the realm of adulthood, it becomes increasingly clear that the emotions we carry from our interaction with other mothers hold profound significance. Grief, disappointment, or resentment, if left unresolved, can cast a shadow over our emotional well-being and seep into our ability to embrace the role of nurturing parents ourselves. So today we embark on an intimate exploration of how the heart of someone hurt by a difficult or toxic relationship with their mother can heal and find peace. And we delve into this crucial topic with today's guest, Geraldine Crane. Geraldine is a spiritual mentor, coach, hypnotherapist, and speaker. After realizing how toxic the relationship with her mother was, Geraldine cut any contact with her and undertook an intense healing journey. As part of the journey, Geraldine trained as a hypnotherapist, which also helped her to reconnect with her spirituality and she started to break free from the guilt and the shame. Now Geraldine loves to share all the tools, techniques, and spiritual principles that helped her to find peace and start loving herself. Through her coaching and hypnotherapy practice, she helps women who have had a difficult or even toxic relationship with their mothers to find peace and develop a loving relationship with themselves, and in doing so, develop happier, healthier relationships in all areas of their lives. What a beautiful mission. Hi, Geraldine, welcome to the Forgiven Trail Show. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, it's a pleasure. Fantastic, well, uh, this is a very important topic, so I'm really eager to uh, start talking about it and trying to understand how the relationship with our, we have with our mothers can really shape our entire life. But before we go and we dive into this fascinating topic, I would like to learn a little bit more about you and, and your journey. In particular, how did you start talking about mother wounds and yeah, working with, with women that also had this uh, issue? Well, it kind of, it kind of evolved. It, it's funny, it, it became um, a lot of the women that were coming to me 
naturally seem to have mother wounds. I tend to work with people who are very highly sensitive and often that comes with a difficult relationship with a parent or having been in an unsafe environment growing up. Um, but it was, it's really evolved very slowly. I started the business as a cl clinical hypnotherapist and always wanted to focus on toxic relationships of all kinds because I had not long since come out of a, a job working as a domestic violence abuse recovery worker and I had been a probation officer before that and a substance misuse worker so it just seemed like a natural progression but as I got into the hypnotherapy because it puts you into um, it changes your vibration it changes your brain waves and it means that your connection with spirit becomes a lot easier and so while I was doing the work I was feeling guidance from spirit as to how I was working. And I started bringing in my spiritual side with my work. I started meditating before seeing clients and getting a lot of guidance around that. And as that developed, I also started opening up a lot more about my relationship with my mom and having a really difficult relationship and how harmful it had been and how long it had taken me for to, to realize. Because it wasn't physically abusive wasn't sexually abusive it wasn't overt like that it was emotional and it was manipulation and psychological and so it had taken me training in domestic violence and domestic abuse it took me to having a counselor and having children for me to finally realize how bad it was and how harmful it was and the anxiety i've been battling with since being very young was actually all linked to that relationship so as I started going out and talking about my business, this was coming out more and more. And it was that that people were engaging with. And then I started to really struggle with, well, how do I do the spiritual and work with toxic relationships, particularly mothers? And one night I just couldn't sleep and just heard but you heal mother wounds using the love of the universe. And I was just like, oh, my God, that's it. That's what I do. And then I started talking more and more about that online and doing interviews like this. And it just, it suddenly just fit. Everything was right. It just made sense. And people were reaching out to me, connecting with me. It really resonated for them. But it was that issue that there's just so much stigma around it. It's just not something that people talk about. It's not some, something people feel comfortable because it feels like you're betraying your mum. But also it's because we get demonized, you get attacked for saying anything about your mom. How could you do that? How could you be that? And it's funny because you could say these behaviors about anybody else in your life, even your father. And people would say, oh, no, 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 you need to get distance. You need to not have this person in your life. You say it's your mother and it's just like, oh, well, you know, you're just expected to put up with it. And it, but it can cause such deep damage in your life and affect every part of your life it certainly for me was affecting my ability to parent the way I wanted to parent it was affecting my career my confidence my whole sense of being so I only cut contact when I felt I had absolutely no other option it wasn't an easy out like a lot of people seem to accuse me of it's not an easy out it's the hardest thing I've ever done and it's not something I will actively encourage a lot of my clients to do it's very rare where I, where I will even bring that up I will let them come to that I'll give them permission to consider it but it's not something I would ever say you should be in contact because it's such a personal and really difficult thing to do but sometimes you have no other option it's just if you don't you will sink and it's just I found if I was ever going to be well and healthy, it's something I had to do. And so it's just, it's just come that way as my work, whereas it's just, it feels like it just slotted into place over the last couple of years, particularly the last year, where it's just, yes, this is what I do. And the way that I help with it is deeply spiritual, is connecting people with that inner divinity, is exploring the idea that you are a spiritual being, having a human experience. And the resilience and the power that brings, but also connecting you with the love of the universe through your spirit guide. And that unconditional love that comes through is so important when dealing with mother wounds because we haven't often experienced that kind of love. Um, I was blessed they did experience that love in other areas of my life, but lots of the women I've dealt with haven't. 
And so when they connect with this love of their spirit guides, it's life changing. And it really helps. The love you get from that guides you back to yourself, guides you back to who you truly are. And that enables you to start really loving and accepting yourself. It's just beautiful. That is such an interesting way of discovering uh, that there was this uh, difficult relationship uh, really at the basic of your own life and was affecting every decision. You mentioned a few issues there. First, societal pressure doesn't really allow us to say, oh, I've got a difficult relationship with my mother. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, you feel guilty, perhaps, for just saying that. But the other is, it's very difficult because very often these relationships are a mix of uh, love and, uh, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. say hate, but at at least some emotional abuse. What can we really pay attention to? What are the signs that we should really pay attention to that may say, may point us towards mother wound and to say, well, perhaps this relationship has aspects, maybe not all of it, but there are certainly aspects that are toxic for me and I need to do Yeah. Something. So there's two ways of looking at this. There's one way of looking at you and, and then seeing, is this linked to my relationship with my mom? So most people that have mother wounds struggle with anxiety, struggle with the sense of self because they've usually been told who they are. And quite often having opinion of your own is not expected. It's seen as a betrayal. You need to be in line with her worldview, particularly if you've got a narcissistic mother. Um, And there can be real issues around being able to make your own decisions because you don't trust yourself real people pleasing, constantly feeling, you know, you need to make everybody happy, that your worth depends on how useful you are, how much you're serving other people, that you have to be serving others to have worth, which is very heavy to carry around and actually shows in the body. Often um, when there's mother wounds, there is issues around the shoulder, around the back, but especially around the hips, gynecological, IBS, all around that area, I had SPD, endometriosis, I have ulcerative colitis. These are all issues around the sacral chakra, around the hip area. That's where we tend to carry a lot of these wounds because of that connection to mother in that area. And it's also that, you know, the base of your back where you're carrying all that weight of extra responsibility. Because there's so many issues around feeling responsible for everybody's well-being. You know, and it's and a lot of that does link to most of the women that I work with are highly sensitive. They've had to be because they've had to be able to judge what mood is mum in? How safe am I today? What do I need to do? So that's that walking around on eggshells trying to keep everybody happy so she stays stable and I stay safe. So they develop a real sensitivity. I also believe a lot of us are born sensitive and that's why we end up in that role more than maybe another sibling is because we have that sensitivity and then it's enhanced by having to use it all the time so when you can feel other people's emotions like that you can feel if they're feeling good or feeling bad and if they feel bad it's horrible because you can feel it and you don't want to feel it but also you don't want them to feel this feeling that you're feeling so you do what you can to You feel this deep sense of responsibility to fix things for everyone, which just ends up completely exhausting you. So a lot of people with these issues have autoimmune issues. They have headaches and migraines and just real stress issues, high cortisol levels, things like that. So it's being really aware of that. Within your relationship, the things to look out for are when when something good happens to you, Does she try and take credit? Does she try and make it about her? You know, well, I brought you up right. You know, I did this. You know, not taking credit for you and what you've achieved. If you're ill, well, I was worse than you. I've had it worse than that. You know, well, when I had that injury or when I gave birth, you know, and it's all about them. And that's a real clear indicator. There's also that thing of do they respect your boundaries? So when you say, can't answer the phone today, I've got, but they still ring and, it's, and and get very angry if you don't answer the phone. Just not respecting you as an individual, 
So if you have a differing opinion to them, or maybe, you know, they've had an argument with somebody else and you're trying to say, well, the other person's got a point and it's just an absolute betrayal. So that's not respecting you having your own opinion. But for me, I had a very enmeshed relationship with my mom. She saw me as an extension of her. So I had to have the same opinions as her. She expected me to invite her everywhere with my friends, despite, you know, I was young and wanting to go out with my friends. She expected to be part of that. When I had friends over um, to stay at the house or just even just come for a couple of hours if I was upstairs giggling with them while well, I'm lonely downstairs. So that parentification, you are responsible for my well-being. You have to do and take care of me, really put in that role of parent. I, I was very much put in the middle position with my parents to negotiate around money when they divorce. It's really been put in that position of responsibility. And that's where a lot of those feelings of feeling responsible for everybody else's well-being, because it's almost trained into you, you know? Things like... You know, if you don't answer the phone, well, what if I'm dead at the bottom of the stairs? You can't live with that pressure. You can't live on high alert all the time, constantly aware of how do I keep her stable and how do I keep her happy. But there's other there's other ways that it can show, ones that I didn't experience, things like just mum being really cold, just gives nothing, doesn't express her emotions, doesn't explain how she's feeling, isn't your safe space for you to have emotions. So if you cry, you're upset, if you're angry, you shut down, even punished for having an, emotions, for being upset. So just completely shut down. And those women tend to become very hyper-independent. I can do this on my own. I've got this on my own. And they never ask anybody else for help. Partly they don't want to burden anybody, but it's also just a complete lack of trust because they're too, they're too scared of showing their emotions. It's almost programmed into them. Like, it's really hard for them to cry, even. And it's awful to watch. It's, it's heartbreaking. So it can show in so many different ways. There are so many different ways that a relationship can be toxic. But I would say the clearest thing is, if you ask for something, you say you need something, and that is not respected. Whether it's, I need some communication. I need to know that you love me, you care about me, and you get nothing. Or even that I need you to give me some space and they don't respect that or get angry for you asking that something's really wrong. Mm. There are two aspects here that really caught my attention. One is uh, the sensitivity that people, especially women that are most affected by mother wound have. And society doesn't like sensitivity. Society mm -hmm. thinks that sensitivity is something bad, uh, mm -hmm. is weakness uh, at the very least. So understanding that that is not actually true is some, somebody with a, a very high thermometer to, to measure the temperature in, in the room and understand mm -hmm. what's going on. And, and the second aspect that really caught my uh, attention is the generational trauma that uh, we pass uh, from mother to child and then from that child that becomes mother and uh, to them. And um, how difficult it, it can be really to, to break that cycle. Yeah. So do, do you have experience in, in, in that sense, for example, where your clients uh, that have seen this uh, kind of behavior from their grandmother on yeah. the Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I've had several clients who've come to me and, you know, well, my grandmother's like this, and that's why my mother's like this. What's beautiful is the amount of people who come to me and talk to me who are breaking that cycle, and I absolutely honor them because it's not easy. It can be like certain things can happen and it just triggers that inner child in you that's hurt and it comes out and it, it, and it takes a lot of self-awareness, stillness, reflection, inner work to be able to catch that and change it around. 
So I absolutely have so much love and respect and on for the for the women that I work with and other women that you know and men who are out there doing this work because mother wounds do affect men. I just tend to work with women and I do find it's more common with women because there is something that's different sometimes about that relationship between a mother and a daughter. However, I would never dismiss and say men don't, they do. It can be slightly different or it can actually be really similar depending on what, on the man and the mother. Well, I, so, I guess it's about that sensitivity, isn't it? Uh, sensitivity mm. is a kind of female trait. Uh, mm doesn't belong to only women uh, no definitely yeah. not and actually you know being sensitive is generally yeah not very I've been told all my life you're too sensitive you're too sensitive we need to wrap you in cotton wool yeah um and it's really you know coming into ownership of that but actually being sensitive is a beautiful thing it's a really beautiful thing and it's my sensitivity that's enabled me to connect with spirit so much more. It's enabled me to do the work that I do. It enables me to hold safe spaces for people. The feedback that I get from all the women that I work with is, you make me feel safe and you make me feel accepted. And you to be able to do that, you need to be able to read them. You need to be able to, what does, what does this person need? Some people need, you know, full on, I'm here for you, you know, almost in the face, you know, I've got you. Other people need you to really hold back and, and let them come their own way. And so you learn, I learn to use my sensitivity to be able to read that and know what each individual needs. Um, so it's a, it's a really beautiful gift, but you need to take care of yourself with it. And if it isn't balanced out with a real strong sense of self-worth, that's when you can become people pleaser and you can become a dormer, you know. Um, there's a wonderful book written by a woman called Anita Mojani called Sensitive is the New Strong. I absolutely love, I love this woman in general, but I love this book. Um, and that's very much about making sure that your sense of worth, she uses the word ego. I'm very careful about using the word ego because it's used in all good and bad ways these days. But she's talking about that sense of identity, sense of self, that sense of worth needs to be just as high as your sensitivity to the world, your consciousness. It needs to be at the same level because it will be that that will protect you. It will be that that will give you your strength and give you your ability to hold boundaries and know that you've got a right to hold those boundaries. So sensitivity is incredibly important, but you must know your worth. You've got to take care of yourself. You've got to know it's okay to step back and have time to yourself or do what you need to do. So, for example, if I have a lot of family around, particularly if they're staying for a couple of days, there'll be times where I really feel it. You know, I can really feel it. So there'll be times where I just go up to my bedroom, lay on my bed, completely quiet. And I just need that time. And I, I no longer feel like I'm being selfish or lazy. I know it's what I need to do to refill my cup so I then have more to give. You cannot give away what you don't have. So you've got to make sure what you're taking that you're taking care of yourself. But when we're very sensitive, we can give of ourselves without even realizing we're giving it. So that self-care has to be top-notch. You have to really, really focus on it. May I take you to a specific period of a child development or I should say, the development into adulthood, because there is a, a time when we are very young and then uh, we go to the teenage years when we don't know everything and uh, as, as children. So obviously our mothers need to be a little bit more present, I suppose, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, take decisions for, for us. But that mm -hmm. also is the time when that self-worth uh, develops and it's also the time where the sensitivity perhaps can be really really uh, wounded uh, by mm. strong behaviors let's put this way mm -hmm. what would you advise to mothers in that particular period if they are dealing with children in that particular period how they can allow them to flourish and blossom in in life uh, exploit mm. any form of sensitivity they might have 
develop completely the self-worth without being really too obsessive. Mm. Well, I'm no expert on child development, but from my own personal perspective, I think the most important thing is to give them a safe space. But no matter what, no matter what they do, what they've said, what tantrum they've had, you stay calm and you give them that faith. Sometimes there's times when you're not able to do that, when they're triggering you in some way, and that's when you have to know you need to step away for a bit. And if you've got if you've got somebody you can tag team with, that's wonderful. If you haven't, all respect to single mothers and fathers, I think they're all amazing. There's nothing wrong with taking yourself away until you've got yourself calm and then coming back. Don't react to their, you know, if they're having a tantrum or throwing things around or, or being obstructive in any way, don't match that behaviour. You've always got to come from a very calm energy, but also very accepting. Like, I can see how you're feeling, you know, and that it's respect that. It's not dismissing it. I got a lot of you being very silly or you're oversensitive. And this wasn't particularly from my mother and we'd get it from other places in my life. And it's just really honoring the way they feel. Like my son's come to me with some very odd fears um, and other people I can imagine would go, oh, don't stop being stupid. I didn't do that. I just sat with him with it, let him explain it to me and kind of explored it with him and just, really sat in my own stillness like it's really important to really get still yourself really listen be very present with them so don't be thinking about well if i do this maybe this could happen further down the line don't be thinking about well when i did this you know so don't be going into the past don't be going into the future stay really present with them because that way you will really feel what's going on for them and they will feel your presence and that in itself will make them feel safe, but make them feel held, heard and seen. Because the things that I hear so much time and time again from my clients is they weren't seen, they weren't heard and their feelings were not respected. And that's the most important thing. Don't put pressure on yourself to always get it right. Because we're all human beings and we do get wounded and our triggers go off and, and sometimes we're just tired and, you know, I certainly do not get it right all the time, I know that. But I always try and, I always apologise, I've got it wrong as well. Like, admit you're wrong, like, let them know you're a human being, I got that one wrong, I'm really sorry. You know, I lost my temper, I'm really sorry, you know, I'm here with you now. But yeah, give them that space, just be with them, really present. Geraldine, have you ever experienced yourself or perhaps somebody you work with misunderstanding like for example uh, talking about if you like that generational uh, trauma that is passed uh, from mother to daughters and and then uh, from them to their children something that perhaps happened and the mother had an understanding of a, a situation that was completely misunderstood by the child and they created a sort of uh, completely different picture of what was going on and that affected them. So for them, it was absolutely real, but they, they matter. So it was more a misunderstanding yeah. that just needed to clear uh, and create space. To... It's something that we have to be very aware of when doing regression in hypnotherapy, because it's something I will always warn anybody I'm doing this with is when we regress, the memory that you're experiencing, that you're going back to, the event that you're re-experiencing, you are re-experiencing as you thought about it at the time. You're not experiencing it as it actually happened. It's coming through the prism of your three-year-old mind. Um, I've even gone, because I have hypnotherapy myself, and I've gone back to childhood memories, and I'm experiencing things in a very textual way, like I could the, like emotions and experiences I could feel as a texture is very odd <laughs> but it's just realizing that was my very young mind and how I was experiencing things so when you go into hypnosis it's being really aware of you know this is your two-year-old mind but what you can then do is you know 
that two-year-old who's hearing mum shouting at them, you can then bring forward grown-up version of them to say, okay, what's really happening? Is this what's really happening there? And you can also get them to go into the position of mum or dad and say, okay, what, what maybe was happening from their perspective? What are they saying? What are they bringing forward? And it's incredible the wisdom that comes forward and their ability to go, oh, they didn't mean that or they didn't say it in that way or they were just trying to protect me. Quite often it's things like parents saying, oh, no, you shouldn't do that. And it's, and it's held them back so that it's held them back in like years later through their work or whatever. And actually what the parent has done is just been really worried for them and tried to protect them and just said the completely wrong thing. Absolutely. So it's, yeah. And sometimes the, the, the client I'm working with actually doesn't have much memory of this conversation or didn't realise the significance it had, but actually certain words have imprinted deep and their interpretation the way they've experienced so the way I coach and the way I work with people is always through the idea that we are experienced living in the experience of our thinking not living in the experience of our circumstances and that becomes really clear when you do past life regression because they experience their thoughts about what's happening not actually what happened so it's always really interesting I'm sure we've all had it where you know You've had a child go, stop shouting at me. And you're like, I'm not shouting. <laughs> but they're hearing shouting. Why are you so angry? I'm not. <laughs> but that's, they're, they're experiencing their thoughts about this conversation between the two of you, not actually what's happening. So, yeah, it's something to be really aware of when, when I'm doing this work with people. Beautiful. So in these situations, for example, how important would it be to embrace vulnerability and go back to your mother, uh, your parent, and say, well, this is the situation, how I experienced it. Can we talk about it? That would depend on the mother or the father. Some parents, you can. You can have these conversations. The way we do it, the way I do it and the way I know other hypnotherapists will do it is you bring that that parent forward in hypnosis and let them talk about that because what they're able to do then is be completely safe to be completely honest and just let things out because a lot of the problems is the emotions that we haven't dealt with at the time that have turned into like stored energy in your body and that stored energy is not being released and so it's piling up and piling up and piling up and it's like releasing as my hypnotherapy tutor always tells me it's like releasing the pressure cooker but it's also about letting that energy out so you can let new energy in it's about letting that energy needs to cycle but what we tend to do is hold on to things shut our heart center down and like nope not letting anybody in not letting anything out and that that's when things get stagnant and you get pains aches anxiety affects everything so it's very much about going back to that memory releasing the emotion around it allowing that conversation between you and your parent in a safe way that will allow it to release there are times where certain clients will go back to a parent and talk but i would say that that's extremely rare because generally the mothers that we're dealing with are not able to hear it and actually, if I actively encourage them to go and have these conversations, the results are unlikely to be good. Um, because a lot of the time, a lot of the suffering that's coming from my clients is this expectation or waiting for mum to change, waiting for mum to be something she's not able to be. You know, and she would have to do lots of inner work and take responsibility and do that do that work to be able to be that person you want her to be. And she may simply not be capable of it, whether due to wounds, mental health issues, who knows? We. This is the thing I always say to women I work with straight away is they always want to know why. And I always say, you're not going to find out exactly why your mum has behaved the way she is because it's unlikely she will ever go to the therapy where we could find out. Mm. It's We're the ones who go for the therapy. And you can't, we have to accept, we have to accept that that's not going to happen. We have to accept they are the way they are, the, the way they are now. And there is, and you have to accept that there's nothing you can do about it. 
you have to accept that it wasn't your fault the wounds that were caused to you but you have to accept that the your responsibility now to heal them that also means the wounds caused to her were not her fault however it was it's her responsibility to deal with them and you can't do anything about that and often if we do try and go and have these difficult conversations with them it can actually make things worse because it's almost coming out of an expectation that you're going to get an apology or some closure or some acceptance um, of responsibility and it, it's i'm not saying it never happens because it does and i've seen or i've seen just the fact that the daughter is able to start just accepting that's the way they are they're then find a way of having a relationship with them and quite a few of the women i work with they manage that which is beautiful um but yeah difficult conversations often with mothers like that it's it's rare it like works very difficult to you know to to discuss about these kind of things uh, mm. with your mother and i i can relate completely on uh, mm. whenever there is something that really doesn't work in our relationship and i try to to tell her and say well mm. it's really not working um she becomes very defensive and i yeah. think it's probably uh, one of the issues mm. i think it takes a lot as a mom there's a lot of pressure on a mom to be a good mom like it's all right for dads not to be great dads but moms have to be good moms like there's this immense pressure this all part of the same stigma there's this immense pressure for moms to to get it right all the time and to be perfect but there is also it, one of the deepest wounds that we can get is if our children tell us we haven't been good mothers i know there is things that happened between me and my daughter when she she's autistic and learning disabled and her behavior became very difficult when she was younger and we got into conflict and i wouldn't be surprised if she comes to me and i mean she's learning disabled so it's probably unlikely but she could come to me in 10 years time and say but you said and did this and it takes a lot for you to be able to say oh i did i'm really sorry it takes a lot as a mother to go no i'm not a good mom or i got this wrong it's really hard it's like one of the hardest things i would say for a person to be able to do is i've not been a good parent so i think it's we're asking a lot <laughs> and yeah. usually if people have not they've not learned or know how to do this reflection or sometimes if you've got you're dealing with somebody who's got a narcissistic brain and their brain i just don't think they're capable of it i just don't think they're wired completely the wrong way just they cannot do it and so if you keep going and trying to have these conversations all it's going to do is cause you pain you have to accept that they are the way they are they're going to keep behaving and the focus has to be on you it cannot be on them when i work with people i spend a tiny bit of time exploring and understanding mother wounds but the rest of the time the whole of it, like I have a seven month program one month is that the rest of it is about you and you accepting and loving yourself that's where the peace comes it has to come from you and within you I'm afraid we have to leave mum the way she is and you never know sometimes when we start doing this work it does have a ripple effect on them and things get better which is lovely to see sometimes it doesn't sometimes the fact that we become less easy to manipulate and really owning our stuff it gets worse for a little bit but that then gets really clear on what boundaries do i need to, you know do i need to pull away do i need to get some space it starts getting really clear on okay what's the next step now so it, never one thing works <laughs> right i i can i can totally understand that i can totally understand that Geraldine. Mm. Very often when we face difficulties and challenges in, in life, especially when are emotionally related, we tend to take a lot of coping mechanisms to just deal with them, right? Mm -hmm. Have you noticed anything specific with people that were dealing with mother wounds and how they used external mechanisms just to cope with those difficulties i find them the main thing is they, they just want to please and keep other people happy so often when they can't face their stuff they're going around fixing everybody else's stuff you know there's this real they are beautiful souls 
you know i work i am very blessed to work with the most beautiful women if you're if you're going to be in a crisis they are the best people to have around them <laughs> they're amazing they're like they're on it they know what they're doing but what they the, the problem that comes is they sacrifice themselves that's the problem that comes with their coping mechanisms is they put themselves at the bottom of the pile and they think that's because that makes me a good person <laughs> your worth is not equated to how much you help and serve other people it's not equated to how useful you are to other people it's beautiful that they want to do that and i don't ever want to take that away but i want them to do it in a way that doesn't sacrifice themselves en route I think that is uh, really something that we learn very early on, especially with girls. Mm. We have to praise them. Oh, you mm. brought back good, you know, grades from school. Oh, well done you, right? Good girl. You mm. cleaned the your room. Oh, good girl, you did this. So mm -hmm. we learn to please people just to pass by, to, to go by. And and it's very difficult to move away from that because it becomes very much our identity, even if it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a big thing that I had was a real. I'd been my mum's carer from being 12. In fact, even younger with more of her emotional stuff. But so I was dealing, she had really limited mobility issues. She was bedridden quite a lot of the time, um, but also had serious mental health issues. So I would be keeping the house clean, cooking the meals, helping her wash, sometimes feeding her, um, certainly helping her dress. But I would also be, if her mental health deteriorated, I would be the one stopping her from cutting herself. I would be the one calming her down. Um, I would be, I mean, often the way I calmed her down was by stroking her ego and telling her, yes, you are the victim, everybody else is wrong. <laughs> um, but it does become, but it was this, I was really praised for being such a good girl, for being such a good daughter, for being so good. And that is a heavy weight to bear. And also is not always easy for siblings if they're not able to do that. You know, if actually they do protect themselves and take themselves away, suddenly they're the bad one. They're not the bad one, they're just a child. It's really difficult. I think that we have to be really wary as parents of rewarding our children too much for being obedient. And when our children are rebellious or trying to stamp their identity on something of not squashing that, you know, and really honouring that, that they know they're loved even when they're being naughty and untidy. And, you know, it's something that I try to say to my children I love you no matter what you know because my daughter if she's had a particular tantrum she'll come down it's all my fault I'm really sorry I'm, I'm awful oh, my son will go I'm a terrible person no 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 you're a human being and you cannot get it right all the time and nor should you otherwise how do we learn we don't learn if we, do, if we don't get it wrong you know you do a spelling test that word you get wrong will be the one you learn most from the same with our life lessons, you know, and it's, I think sometimes there is too much focus on the obedient child, the good child. That's not fair, especially when, you know, I've got a child with autism. Sometimes what looks like bad behavior is dysregulation, is not, is being overstimulated, is not coping with the environment she's in. Um, and it, it's being really aware of that and, not punishing her for that. You can't punish that. That would be ridiculous. And it's really important that we accept our children the way they are and help them to help them to connect with that calm space within. Help them to know that that's there. Help them to get present and not get lost in the past and future. Help them to accept themselves. I work a lot with my clients around realizing you are so much more than your body and your mind and realizing your mind is that noisy and i call it the egoic mind it's that noisy little voice that goes on and realizing if you can observe it you can't be it instead you are the awareness of it and the more you can step back and observe it and, and not add judgment to it nothing like that you know I've, I've had somebody say to me once well i just reject it and call it bad names no 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 no, no. 
that is a part of you so you look you give it tenderness and love and patience but you don't have to believe it <laughs> and you don't have to over identify with it you are the observer of it and helping my children to do that just you know you don't have to believe all those thoughts that are going on in your head just take a moment um i think there's things that can really help with the kids there i always say it with the caveat of i don't always manage this <laughs> Do the best I can. Others day, but I get it wrong. Mm. But yeah. there are the days that you go, I'm sorry, I got it wrong today. I got it wrong. That's that's life. Everybody mm. can. Mm. So that that's absolutely beautiful. Geraldine, can we go into some more uh, tips and perhaps some steps that people can take? Uh, or you know when they embark in uh, in this journey to sort of heal other ones the first step i would always say to anyone get still find a way that you can still your noisy mind like i say don't over identify with it but you need to be able to slow things down a lot of the people that i work with tend to have anxiety and it's no wonder when you've not had that safe space or that relationship with your mom, anxiety is very, very common. But what anxiety tends to be a lot of the time is just too much thought going on, too much busy thought. So it's about slowing it down. And that allows you, once you slow that down and stop over-identifying with your mind, that's when you connect with your own inner divinity. Or I often refer it to it when I'm working as your internal sunshine. Your internal sunshine, your, this inbuilt well-being, it's always there, it's always shining, but we get dark clouds that come. But if we can see that they're just dark clouds and they will pass, if we know that the sunshine's there, then you have this resilience and you just know that your well-being will return. You just need to reset. It's a bit like, you know, I live in the UK and I live in, you know, it's pretty like it's pretty cloudy right here right now. If we just panicked every time we couldn't see the sun, we'd be a mess in the UK, wouldn't we? We'd be an absolute mess. Um, so it's that same faith that you have that inbuilt well-being as you do in the sun. It is there. In fact, I fully believe it's all part of the same energy and the same intelligence. And it, it is there. We just have to allow those black clouds to go across. So... It's really rather than trying to fix things when you're feeling those dark clouds coming in, don't try and fix things because you can't see clearly. I always say it's like asking a mechanic to fix your car in the dark. He's going to make mistakes or she's going to make mistakes. Let's not be sexist about comics. <laughs> um, but you've got to, you know, you've, you've got to turn the lights on first. So it's about how can I get still and how can I lift my vibration? How can I lift my mood? So for me, it's going for long walks, getting out in nature, spending time with a friend who you feel very safe with and can just be yourself. Um, music is a big one for me. I put musicals on and just sing at the top of my voice. Whatever it is for you, it's finding, like for my husband, it's gardening. He'll go off and just kind of ponder around the garden. It allows you to just get still and it allows you to connect with your true self. And that can just allow some of those dark clouds to part and just some clarity to start coming through. So stillness is always the first thing that I teach. And instead, if we had a friend, for example, that has suffering or is suffering from mother wounds, and we recognize perhaps some of the mm. how can we help them? That it often depends at what point they're at. So if you'd met me. 10, 15, 20 years ago, and you said, got issues with your mother, you'd have lost a friend. My mum would have won. Um, bless my husband, didn't say a word, just kind of held space for me and was there for me for over 10 years. <laughs> and once I finally saw what was really going on, that's when he spilled everything came out, bless. You, you've got to read how much they can hear at that point. And what kind of relationship do you have? How secure it is that you can say that? One of the ways you can do it is reflect back of, but how's that behavior making you feel? Do you think that? So you don't overtly go, your mother's in the wrong. Just like, just 
you know, give them that reflective space of maybe that's not all that healthy. Are you okay? What's, you know, and it's giving them the most important thing you can do for a friend in any situation really is give them that safe space to really just let go and don't bring any judgment in. If you start bringing in judgment of mom, you will push her away until she is ready to really see it. And then even then be very careful, you know, like I can badmouth my mother, but you can't. <laughs> okay, so be very careful with it. It's it it takes a lot for a person to to really um, be able to hear things very clearly. So the most important thing is be the safe space. If they are saying to you, "No, my relationship with my mom's awful," point them in my direction. <laughs> Send them to me. I was really blessed when I first got contact with my mom. That actually one of my best friends said to me, "I don't get it." I have a really lovely relationship, a beautiful relationship with her mum. And she says, I'm going to be really honest, I don't get it, but I'm here for you. I see what you're doing and I see, you know, I can see that it is what is right for you. And she has supported me all the way through as I've gone on the healing journey and she's cheered me on. In fact, I remember as I, I got better and was feeling much better, she was in tears like, you're so much better. It's, it was just awful watching you get, you know, she but she was always a safe space for me to talk about it even though she fully admitted she didn't fully understand and then really get them into a community that does a big part of my work is creating that community so i have a group on facebook that's just there for anybody who's got any women i'm afraid but for, it's a space for spiritual women who've got these wounds where we can talk about it really safely there's no judgment. There's no competition because I've been in groups with, you know, daughters of narcissistic mothers and it's been, you know, my mother's worse than your mother. That's not allowed in my community. <laughs> it's about just being that safe space for each other and, and fully understanding. And it's such a beautiful thing when I do my group program, I have a seven month program, the community that builds between the women because they finally feel safe and accepted. Because another thing that a lot of women who've had mother wounds struggle with female relationships, particularly in group, there's just not knowing quite there can be. I certainly did it. I could be very intense in female friendships and want like a real deep closeness. It's just not most, not healthy. Um, and then just high anxiety of how do I keep everybody happy? How do I fit in here? So for them to find a, a space with other women who get that and just accept you on your good days, your bad days, you know, and just hold that space for you is really beautiful. So it, it, re it does matter to kind of find a space where you, you know, when that friend can, can talk openly about it. But first and foremost, if you've got a friend like that, be their safe space and let them know that they have a right to peace, they have a right to boundaries. Yeah, safety is uh, definitely the, the most important aspect uh, whenever you feel that you have gone through emotional turmoil, mm -hmm. any form of uh, abuse, whether it's physical, verbal. Uh, oh, yeah. Safety is uh, is the best thing. So thank you mm -hmm. very much for stressing that out. I think it's, uh, it's very important. And very often sensitive people are in very unhealthy and uh, unsafe places. Mm -hmm. Geraldine, looking back on your healing journey, mm -hmm. or even uh, a few steps before starting, what sort of advice would you give to the young Geraldine? You know, I've, I've done reels on this before, just thinking about what would I... There's different stages. I think if I talk to myself just before I really realised, it would be trust the way you feel. Trust that there's something, I always, something felt like it was wrong. However, she was always very good at manipulating me to thinking I was in the wrong, not her. That something was up with me. Um, and it would be to really trust. When things don't feel right, trust. Your body tells you, like you feel it with anxiety or pain. I had all sorts of problems with my shoulders and my back, endometriosis. And you know, my body was screaming at me. But so was my my mind like the anxiety was sky high um it was you know i needed to listen to myself you know and really and that need needed to be validated like 
trust yourself, something's not right here. Um, and also, really clearly, you're not who she says you are. She told me I was a bad carer, I was selfish, all those things. Wasn't true. It's not who I was. Even my grandmother said to me, you know, I, I thought you were this person that she would talk about, but luckily in the last few years of her life, I spent a lot of time with her, just me and her. And she said, you're not who she says you are. You're so much more. And we were very, I was very blessed to be very, very close to her. But we don't always have somebody around like that. So it is, you have to do some of this work for yourself. I think if I was talking to myself just after cutting contact, just keep going. Just keep going. This is awful and it's hard and it's difficult and it's painful. And you'll feel every emotion, every emotion under the sun, from joy to relief to grief to sadness to guilt to anger. It, the whole spectrum, you experience it all. Just keep going. Mm. Because it has taken me somewhere incredible. Just have to keep going and you have to go through it. The good, the bad, the ugly. Keep going. Beautiful. You just mentioned guilt, anger, resentment, all these emotions. Mm. How important it is for someone that is has been affected by their relationship with their mother, especially if a toxic uh, nature, mm -hmm. to get rid and break free from these emotions. And with that, I would like to bring the concept of forgiveness, mm -hmm. uh, which for me is uh, a mix of acceptance of what mm -hmm. happened in the past. You cannot change that. And in the same way, we cannot change, unfortunately, people. We cannot, but our, however, we can give ourselves the permission to move forward and say, okay. That's, you know, that's what forgiveness is really for, right? Isn't it? I think that's the problem a lot of people. I can't forgive her for what she's done. Not about her. This is about you. So I don't actually use the word forgiveness. When I work with my clients, we talk about acceptance. And I talk about extreme acceptance. Like you have to accept the way she is. You have to accept what's happened. And have, because acceptance is what allows you to move forward. And I think once you really work on acceptance, forgiveness comes without you realizing. Forgiveness isn't something you do. It kind of happens. Acceptance is the thing that you do. Um, it's funny because I was actually discussing this with my hypnotherapist and he said the same. It's just forgiveness is something that comes. It, it isn't really, for me, an active, no, I will forgive her. You can't really. It has to just evolve within you. Like you suddenly one day you realise, oh, no, I have. I've forgiven her. The acceptance, that's something you can actively work on. And it, and it is. It's accepting the way she is, accepting the way you are accepting what is right now will enable you it's when you you're holding on for closure like i love there's a quote from abraham hicks there is no closure there's only openings because if you keep hanging on focusing on wanting some closure or wanting some responsibility or an apology you're just holding yourself in pain Whereas if you can accept that that's not going to happen, that you need to focus on you and your healing journey, that opens everything up. You just open yourself up to healing and to moving forward and to letting new energies into your life. There's one thing when I cut contact with my mom, I hadn't realised how much of my energy she took, how much of my space she took up. Because once I cut her out, all these amazing people flooded into my life. Not straight away, but they, they came. And I realized how much more capacity I had for them. I had time, I had space, I had energy for them that I hadn't had before. And for myself, and believing there was things I could do. You know, I've done incredible things over the last couple of years that I would never have believed possible. And I know there's even more incredible things to come. But you need that space to be able to see that and do that. So, yeah, important stuff. Absolutely. And talking about things that will come in your life, what are you working and planning for the rest of the year? And is there anything? Uh, yes. Yeah. So I've got my um, 
So my seven month program, I just ran for the first time from January. I actually started on my mom's birthday and finished on mine. Um, and it, it's the seven month program where we meet twice a month to talk and share and do meditations and card readings and things, but we talk mainly around mother wounds and how we're going. But there's a lot of pre-recorded content. So I spent the last 10 months taking my first founding members through. There was no content when we started. And we, as we've gone through, I've built this program. It's now complete, it's all ready. I would never have believed I could do something like this, but you know, all the tech and everything, built this whole program and that is soon to be released. I'm working on, um, I'm actually having a meeting tomorrow with um, my business consultant about planning my year. So I will be launching that program again. I also do a spiritual development course, which is a four week course teaching you how I connect with spirit guide and teaching you to do the same. So by the end of the course, you're actually sharing messages from your spirit guides with the other women in the group. Um, and both those programs, once you've completed are circles that you can join to keep either having that support you need or keep practicing the spiritual. So they're a big focus of my work right now. But I'm also working on the this serene way that I work with people. So we're working around understanding and stillness, emotion, reconnection, energy, and the power of now and empowerment. So it follows the words to read. And this is the way I work with people one-to-one -one and in groups. I am going to be putting into a book. So that's coming. Wow. And always looking for opportunities to speak because this is an issue that isn't talked about and needs to be. And I will continue to keep pushing and just being a voice. Because even, you know, people who've been through my program, I say, oh, can we do a video testimonial? They don't feel able to because of fear of what other people will say. There will be a couple, I'm sure, who will do it. But, you know, well, what if my mum sees it? What if? And I completely respect that. Absolutely respect that. Not everybody is able to talk about this stuff openly. I am, so I will. Um, and I'm determined to create more safe space, make this space even bigger, um, because the more people I can reach and help, the better, you know, there's important stuff. The ripple effect is massive. You can help a mother to heal. Wow. It just ripples. And even women who aren't mothers, they will be friends and partners and colleagues. It ripples. So it's, it's important work. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, there's big things coming. <laughs> Absolutely. So if our listeners would like to get in touch with you and learn more about you, where they can find you? So the best place to find out more about me is my Facebook group, which is completely free. It is for women only, um, which is called Serene Spiritual and Empowered. Um, so it's dead easy to find. Or if you want to find out more about working with me one-to-one, -one, I have a website called geraldinecrane.com again i like to keep things simple um there is a, a site which is called geraldine crane's hub and that's about uh, the group work don't think that's as easy to find but it's best just to get in touch with me and i can direct you to it um, i'm working on that at the minute but um if you want to work if you want to get in touch and see how I can help. I do offer a free 15 minute call with anyone just to, you know, explore. Um, and you can get in touch with me via my email, which is just hello at geraldinecrane.com. So it's very easy to find me. I'm there. <laughs> Fantastic. And it will be even easier because we will put all the links in the description of today's episode. So I will find you and uh, just click on, on the link. Geraldine, one final question. If there was one take-home message from this conversation that you would love everybody to remember, what that would be? I think it's knowing that nothing's worth your peace. You have a right to peace in your life. I know we focus a lot on happiness and finding your happiness. Happiness is an emotion that can come and go. Peace is something that can run through everything. Even when things are bad or good, it can be this deep peace within. And we all have a right to it. And if something is costing you or preventing you from being able to access it, 
you have a right to put boundaries in place. You have a right to take care of yourself. You have a right to love and honour and be tender and kind to yourself. So yeah, that's what I would like you to take away. Wow, that's beautiful. Well, I hope that this episode has shed light on the profound impact the mother wound has on women's life, relationships and emotional well-being, and the importance of understanding its origins, as well as the toxic patterns and coping mechanisms that emerge within these relationships. And I want to leave you with a quote from Barry Davenport who said, you don't have to repeat the trauma of your childhood. Use the pain your mother inflicted on you to motivate you to find a better way to raise your own children. Geraldine, thank you so much for accepting our invitation, for sharing so much about your personal story and your mission, your message. Uh, I absolutely love and agree with you. This is something that we should talk about more. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we would love to know what you think about this topic. Do you or anybody you know have mother wounds that need healing? If so, I'm sure there is plenty in this episode to understand your situation and get you started in your healing journey. Please help us grow by sharing and liking your, our content so we can continue bringing more value to you and uh, other people that may need it. Obviously, if you have any questions that perhaps we didn't address today, as always, let us know, get in touch. We will strive to search those answers for you. Also, don't forget to check Jardine's website to follow her on social media. You will find all the links in the description of today's episode. Hopefully not, but if you've been affected in any way by the topic we discussed today, as always, I invite you to seek professional help. Join me next time when we will continue exploring inspiring and challenging situations. Because remember, we are together in this journey. Remember, forgiveness is like a muscle. The more you practice, the stronger and more effective it becomes. If you haven't done it yet, you can subscribe by clicking the subscribe button below. If you know anybody who could benefit from the topics discussed in this show, do some good and share the link with them. If you have a story that you want to share with us, comments or suggestions on topics you would like to be explored, send me an email at forgiventrive.com at gmail.com. Reviews will also be very much appreciated. And with this, it's a wrap. Till next time, thank you and goodbye.